0: Did you know Montel uses artificial intelligence and machine learning to forecast spot prices, inflow to reservoirs, wind and run of river production? We can improve forecasts for your individual power plants anywhere in Europe. Contact us at ai at for more info.
1: Hello listeners and welcome to the Montel weekly podcast bringing energy matters in an informal setting. This week we turn closer to home and look at the Nordic region and developments in wholesale electricity. As we recently said in a pod on the gas market, what a difference a year makes. In May 2020, spot prices struggled to get into double figures, while this month they've settled on some days close to 65 euros and have averaged around 42 so far this year. What's happened? Meanwhile, forward power prices in Germany are currently around 30 euros more expensive than those in the Nordic region. What are the reasons for this? Is it very strong carbon prices, Germany's reliance on coal and gas-fired power, or is low liquidity in the Nordics having an impact too? This week has seen the high-level inauguration of the Nordlink interconnector linking southern Norway with Germany. Has this increased prices in Norway, particularly in southern areas, and lowered those in Germany? Or is the situation more complex than that? Joining me, Richard Sveresen, to discuss these issues and much more, are several eminent experts who will share their expertise on the Nordic power market, and will give the pod a bit of a southern Norwegian flavour. Hello and welcome back to Raja Lilleholt of Volu, formerly Watsites. How are you doing, Toraja?
2: I'm fine, I'm fine, thank you. And I think it's exciting to be an analyst in this market. You showed here in one year, it's moving a lot and it's uh, changing in all types of uh, markets, uh, not only the hydro, it's uh, a lot of different things are, are happening here. Absolutely.
1: So hello Sigbjorn Selan of Storm Geo. Good to have you back on the pod. I hope you're well. Thank you. Nice to be back. Excellent. And finally, Eilert Ellefsen of, of EQ. Um, a pleasure to welcome you too, Eilert. All well with you, I
0: hope. Yes. So for me, it's in fact, a couple of years, some years ago, since I last focused so much on the Nordic market, I've been mainly for the European market mm-hmm. for some while. But now um, it's interesting to be back uh, studying more details in the Nordic market. And I see uh, there are more factors uh, being important now than uh, for a period ago.
1: Excellent. Well, I hope we'll have plenty to talk about. So I um... But before we start, I think you guys know each other, don't
0: you?
2: Yeah, yeah we're actually yeah. from the same hometown, so uh, Arendal is a big city. Yeah, so. Okay,
1: all three of you from Arendal in southern Norway, yes, excellent.
0: I think I can uh, invite you, Richard, to the next podcast we could have in Arendal. Okay, that,
1: <laughs> that sounds lovely, yes. Yeah. In a, a southern Norway, idyllic surroundings in southern Norway, except Sigbjorn based in Oslo, of course. So. Yeah, well, yeah.
3: if it's during the summer, I will be down there.
1: <laughs> Perfect. I think that's a deal. Anyway, let's get on to Nordic spot prices. They're very high, different scale compared to this last year. They're a little bit lower, about 10 euros lower than the uh, German prices. But
2: uh, what, what's going on, Yeah, We're working with big numbers now, looking at the different price deviations. And I think we will start with, with Germany. And of course, they are very uh, good linked to the uh, fuel prices and uh, also the big rise in CO2 prices. So 70 euros in, in Germany is easy to explain due to this. I could come back to to why I believe this German price is also is a bit uh, too high. But if you go to the southern part of Norway, who is a very important part of the system price of uh, the Nordic prices, uh, I think they are 20 euros. If you're looking at the Thursday's prices, as an example, they are at 50, Germany at 70. And you could go to the northern part of Norway, they are down to 20, now to 30 and and 20. So there's a huge deviation here. And most of this is uh, important to recognize, but the level here between nuclear short-term marginal cost of 10 euros to 70 euros. You see the short-term marginal cost for for gas in the continental area. It's a huge area where the hydro area, hydro production and the wind production is uh, has their playground. So there's a huge uh, volume of uh, of uh, prices here that could be um, placed uh, in a different levels. And that is what's happening in the uh, northern part of uh, Norway. There is more pressure from from wind and uh, hydro. And in the southern part, you see a very narrow price curve to connect it to the continent- continental prices at uh, peak hours. But you also have more than 30 euros deviation between the peak hours in Germany and the southern part of Norway. So definitely, there's a huge potential here to lift it further. So we are not ready with the uh, or finished with the... Uh, price movements uh, so far, I think. So there could definitely be new movements. Uh, and in, in the weekend of 17th of May, we saw a huge uh, shift in many of the uh, water values, and especially uh, in the part around the su- southern part of Norway. It could be some lift uh, could suddenly happen in, in days, but it could also take uh, months ahead uh, before we could lift it further to the continent prices. But there's potential. Definitely.
1: What's your view here, Sigburn?
3: Yeah, as you stated in the beginning, uh, this, this year is, is uh, very different uh, from last year. And it's uh, another good example of how this market really is, how uh, attractive you know, in many ways uh, it is. And, and the main reason, if you should po- point to one factor, is obviously uh, the weather. You know, we had this uh, very big hydrological surplus end of last year. And uh, reaching uh, mid-February, we had a deficit in the hydrological balance. So um, the reason why we had sort of collapsing prices last year versus high prices this year is mainly the weather. You know, low inflow, high consumption, unfavorable uh, wind uh, conditions uh, for sure. In that sense, I would say uh, spot prices are it's not difficult to explain uh, the big difference from last year until this year, but obviously, as has been mentioned, with with uh, continental uh, European uh, spot prices at 70 euros, you know, you have this uh, price range from say zero, which we visited last year, up to 70. It's a huge price range, and and uh, you just have to accept that prices will change quickly and a lot. In these circumstances, for sure. So, um, yeah, I think it's you. You just have to be careful to get sort of a fixed view of the price development in in these uh, uh, circumstances. But for sure, you have to develop a, a price expectation. And uh, yeah, also to us or to us, it seems that uh, at least when we look, say, one year ahead, current future market price level seems a bit too low. I would mm-hmm. say.
1: Hmm. We'll get back onto that a bit later in the pod, I think, so I want to hear your guys' views on that. But uh, what's happening with the hydrology? What's the outlook here, Eilert? Uh, it has been mentioned that you know there was a deficit in February. What do you see happening in, in the weeks and months to come?
0: Yeah, I see um, just lately, when it's, it's getting drier now, the, the hydrological balance is more or less normalised. So we uh, came from uh, level by new by uh, first part of January around maybe 20 terawatt hours uh, surplus, which uh, has now uh, been reduced uh, or normalized in the last few weeks now. And the next, next few weeks, uh, we will see a rather normalized situation. And so I think really, when you look on the, uh, how the price differences Nordic and the German market has developed since New Year, it's rather strange as the um, price difference has increased be- between uh, Nordpol and Germany, while the hydrological balance has been reduced. And you had also during this period uh, has got confirmation of the effect of the Nordpol link, which has uh, coupled uh, the, the Nordic and the um, continental market closer to each other. But somehow the price difference in the forward market has increased. Uh, and I think there are some reason there, but um, this is very strange, unexpected development. I would say mm.
1: we'll get back to that, Ailert. But I think you know we've seen that the Ture mentioned the split in prices or the wide spread, but prices between the north of you know north of Norway, even north of Sweden, and the southern regions. Do you expect this to continue?
0: Yeah, I suppose they could be a bit closer to each other later this uh, summer. The Nordic system price, which is the tradeable product, uh, I think players just have to be aware that the water values that is not, let's say, shown in the uh, area prices uh, in northern Sweden and northern Norway are playing a part for the system price settlement. So I think, uh, as I've seen lately, I think the NO2 price is what I look on uh, as the say, water value, general important water value level for the system price.
1: So for those listeners out there who don't, are not familiar with NO2, that would be what? They
0: yeah, southern part of Norway. I would say N- oh, NO1, NO5, NO1, they are co- quite yeah. close. To- yeah now, coupled.
1: What's your view here, Torre? What Do you think, you know, you mentioned the wide spread in prices. Do you expect this to, to
2: narrow them going forward? I think this will last uh, for a long time, because uh, if you look at the uh, northern part of uh, Sweden and Norway, they have seen higher hydro uh, resources for many years, especially NO4 have never seen high hydro reservoirs for many years, and they are not used to, to have this uh, extra pressure in addition to the uh, all insto- installation of wind. So I think the price areas in the north will be a lot more volatile due to wind. But uh, in the southern part of Norway, we will be more stable uh, with the core long-term uh, hydro reservoir setting the prices. So that could be more stable. So uh, I also see into, into our simulation that uh, as long as next year, you could also see uh, huge deviations in, in the north of, uh, of Norway and Sweden due to the fact that we have installed uh, a lot of wind and we also have a more volatile um, Poor balance to to be more affected by the wind volatility volatility in the market.
1: And of course, that makes it very difficult to hedge, doesn't it? I mean, this has been part of the they've been part of the issues in the Nordic market, You know, the too many price areas.
2: Yeah, I could just comment to SE two this week. We had at the same production volumes.
1: So where's SE two? That's southern Sweden.
2: No, it's in in the middle of middle Sweden, Sweden, uh, Sweden, just yeah. below uh, the northern part of Sweden. But you saw on the same production hour, four thousand megawatts, and in one day we had eighty five euros. And in another day, we had five euros at the same exact same production. So, is the uh, non-controllable hydro or is it the wind who take the volumes? That is very important in the uh, setting of the prices. Hmm.
1: sigmund, if I can, I can turn to you here. What will happen once the UK cable comes online? I mean, our producers in in Norway. Are they you know saving water and expectation of higher prices later this year? do you think is that's what's happening Well that's also causing you know having a sort of bullish effect on spot prices uh, so far this
3: year? Absolutely. I think that's uh, clear and uh, you see it in the bidding curves for NO2 or for the entire southern norway so for, so for sure hydropower producers are sort of optimistic about the price impact of the north sea link which is what they should be mm. should basically mm. expect a steady flow of power out of no2 for sure you know these uh, the price location spreads have turned upside down in in a very short time and i think a key a key factor to study here is uh, capacity um, between the the Swedish price areas and and also between SE3 and Finland and uh, SE3 and eastern part of Norway. And we see that this this, uh, Swedish TSO, they sort of, what shall I say, struggle to keep uh, trading capacities uh, available uh, to the market. And uh, the capacity from from Stockholm area to, to the Oslo region is limited throughout the entire summer. And you could speculate what happened if that continues during autumn and into next year with this uh, UK cable in operation and that will be extremely positive for for water values in in southern Norway so, so I think definitely you can see that uh, hydropower producers in southern Norway they, they really expect uh, southern Norwegian area prices to, to remain above system price well above system price. For a pretty long time, so uh, I think it uh, compared to what we sort of have been used to over the years, things are just turned uh, upside uh, down now.
1: Hmm. Mainly because of the cables,
3: Siegmann. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's related for sure to the to the ex- or What shall I say? What seems to be a bit too fast and too much wind power build out in, in the northern part of Sweden. So that sort of stresses the Swedish TSO a bit, and they have to limit the capacities. And then that link to the new uh, cables you see so I don't know why now looking to be the, the highest price or could, could be the highest price eras, go, uh, era going forward.
1: Absolutely. So very good news for southern Norwegian hydro producers and maybe not so good news for northern Swedish uh, wind <laughs> developers or producers and as well as uh, southern Southern or industry in southern Norway. But Torej, you wanted to to interject here.
2: I think you have some other aspects also to this, because I think if you're looking at the spot prices in the south of Norway, southern part of Norway, they are 50 euros. That is the highest price in the whole forward curve. You can't save water on that prices. Because if you look into the forward curve, and you could see that in May, we have 50 euros as a spot price. It's in the middle of the melting period. And we have come from a a wet scenario. So definitely this gives me optimistic prices also for the whole forward curve. So there's something wrong with the forward curve. So you can't use the forward curve to save water in this market. So I think there is also... Of course, our simulation also show that you, you save some water to UK cable, but the market is not allowing that. And I think there is a fair If you lift the water values now, you will lose volumes. I don't think the hydro producers dare to do that. So that's why you are at 50, not at 60. But you could very easily lift the prices at 60 without losing volumes.
1: So how would they do
2: that, if you can explain that? You could gain the same volume to export because the prices in the continental area is higher. It's up at 70 or high 60. And you could have the same volumes exported and same production volumes with higher prices. But the first producer to lift the prices might lose the volumes because the other neighboring producers take the volumes. So that is fair. So you f- try to find a balance here to how high you could take the prices. But as long as there's no resistance an alternative before you go to the continental prices, it's possible to lift the water values. So there's no speed limit at 50 euros. I think they could be uh, even higher. But again, it could take time. And it could also be a lot of uh, other things that uh, high wind, you have seen that uh, very often that, um, for example, when you are at 70 euros, when you get wind in Germany, you suddenly fell down to zero or, or negative prices. And that should affect the average prices in Germany because Falling from 70 euros, two to three hours could actually change the average for one week with one euro. Yep. So if you get a lot of wind, uh, definitely we have another game in the continental prices.
1: You you may want to add something here, Eilert, but uh, we mentioned this Nordic-German spread in, in the forward curve. What are your expectations going forward there, Eilert?
0: I think the trading at the moment, they are more or less fixed on this 30 euro uh, difference. So the question is, uh, how could this be uh, reduced, uh, if it makes sense? And I think then uh, it is the hydropower producer and the water values, as Torejo is mentioning, that could lift the spot price, which in the next step could lift the forward prices. So I think that must be the way to reduce this difference. I think that's the main way to reduce these more or less obvious, uh, large difference between uh, the Nordic and the continental market. That's how I see it. Uh, But I must also mention something about uh, the price differences that we uh, have been discussed uh, now. I would also focus on what will happen in the uh, Finnish market when the Olkiluto 3 is coming uh, online. This will, of course, increase price differences on that part of the Nordic market, which Will influence probably Sweden one, Sweden two, and also Sweden three. So this will be a huge. There uh, will be a huge change now in the power flow when we have the UK cable and you have Olkiluoto three. That uh, means about uh, 13, 1400 megawatts that uh, will change direction. When you have heard what how uh, Svenska KraftNet is uh, struggling this year with the power flow in SA three. I wonder how it will be with Alkiluto three online.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, so added complications.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's just one for the price difference, uh, price area discussion.
1: We we'll increase the complexity of the hedging, though. There, then I think. Then, but uh, you know, Eilert, you t- you mentioned the UK cable there as well as Alkiluto three. Do you expect prices to rise to UK level, or will uh, renewables growth as well as Alkiluto dampen prices in the Nordics?
0: Yes, I think uh, as I see it now, it must be Q three, Q four. Q4, um, Mm. Mm. when uh, UK cable is online and Olkiluto is not online. And then after some time during Q1, seems like Olkiluto will be uh, up and running and then they will more or less equalize each other. But uh, maybe the power flow will mean something for the net, uh, let's say, price effect. But if you put this into just uh, a couple grid, then they should equalize each other. But uh, when you look to uh, forward prices in Q4, I think it seems like the German prices are quite high for Q4. It seems like Germany has a risk premium there because of reduced hardcore capacity, maybe, from experiences that we have seen um, during Q1.
1: Absolutely. And it's also, you know, it's having both, you know, a combination of very high carbon prices and also capacity squeeze in terms of nuclear and and coal-fired plants. But... If I could turn to a slightly different subject, I think we've noticed you know, recently the indications for, for wind, the pipeline for wind in Norway specifically, is coming to a bit of a stop next year. What's your view here, Torajer, and uh, what could be the consequences of this?
2: I think we have a, a lot of volumes coming into the okay. online, even though we say that it's uh, flattening out. So uh, in my numbers, uh, for 20, 21 and 22, we have installed 12,000 megawatts of wind in the Nordics. In the next following three years, we will uh, install four to 5,000 megawatts more. But one third of them will be offshore. So we are turning around from onshore to offshore as well. So, of course, the uh, more uh, environment uh, struggle in the onshore wind installation mm. is, of course, obvious here. So we will uh, lower down the volume. But due to this, both for next year and the year after, we will actually add 2,000 megawatts more average production to the system. Every hour, so both 2023 will add a lot of uh, volumes. So uh, I think we will uh, still see this in for a couple of years. Uh, the increase in wind.
3: Is
1: this your view as well, Siebren?
3: Yeah, yeah. I think that, that picture is absolutely clear. There, it will be added a lot of wind power going forward, and there are also a lot of uh, wind power projects in the pipeline that has not made any final investment decision, but are certainly probably quite uh, close. So so even if uh, sort of the window is closing in Norway there will be a lot of wind power investments elsewhere going forward and if you look at uh, at the Nordic region as as a whole it uh, for sure the the production surplus will just grow quite uh, significantly the next few years because uh, yeah consumption is basically flat and wind power will uh, grow fast and and, and regarding the market trading the the next five to ten years at thirty ish, I think that, that that has to be, or it is related to, to the cost of developing new onshore wind power for sure. And as long as the market sort of knows that there are a lot of wind power projects in the pipeline, I think it will, for sure, that will limit the upside potential for futures prices in in that perspective. Say for if you look beyond the, the year 2022 so if prices start to increase more you you see you will see more investment decisions being made so so the futures market is uh, a different uh, game in that sense spot prices for sure they can they can be high they can be low but but the general price level i think there are significant res- resistance on on the upside there due to this wind power potential and also regarding the price level going forward, as this production surplus uh, is uh, growing so so fast, so the the availability of the transmission capacity, internal and external, is is very important. You need to see growing export, and 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 we see now that there are bottlenecks more or less uh, everywhere, and and bottlenecks basically is is bearish for the for the system price that hasn't changed and and there are uncertainties regarding uh, new link you know next year they will open for counter trade how will that impact uh, flows will we see more physical flows from Germany into no2 because of counter trade if that happens it is definitely negative for water values and and prices and if as if uh, the, the Swedish TSO continues to limit uh, capacities you know it is so uh, it will limit also export on the the, the UK cable so so there, there are many, many, many factors to to consider for sure. It's
1: a web of complexity, and, yeah, and I'm, yeah. you know, I'm sure we would, we, we, we want to come back to to discuss with you guys when the, the cables uh, are online and also what what happens with the with the TSOs in the region. But if I can just close today's discussion by asking you about what your demand outlook is uh, for the next sort of nine years, I have seen with some very bullish figures coming from the regulator, from several reports from TSOs up to figures of 40% increase. What's your view, Eilert? Do you see this this increasing by this much by 2030?
0: In fact, I must admit that I haven't studied all these uh, estimates so closely, but I just recognize what I read on the Montel stories. That's all you
1: need, Eilert. That's all you need. <laughs> so I
0: think we will say that closer in um, the
2: months to come.
1: Okay, excellent. And what about you, Todai? What, what, what's your view here?
2: I think it's uh, big numbers, uh, but I also see that it's a lot of uncertainties, and we see that, uh, for example, uh, taking one uh, special thing uh, of uh, industry is the battery uh, factories. We have a lot of battery factories in pipeline, but it's not in our plans for for the future consumption. So they could very easily be 180 terawatt hours of uh, uh, consumption in Norway in the, in that period. But we have around 170, 175, so we are a bit lower. But of course, there is a lot of uncertainty and the consumption will be a very important factor to to the, stabilize the prices, especially in the north, because you invest in the lowest price areas very often. So low prices uh, could also be uh, a trigger of more investment or consumption.
1: What's your view, super on, on Nordic power demand or Norwegian even?
3: Yeah, well, uh, you know, everybody's talking about all this consumption coming. And, and and for sure, the basic idea is correct. You know, it, it it's a part of the green transition. But... Uh, I think the question is how quickly it will come. There are infinite number of plans and very few investment decisions. And there are there are factors pointing down as well. As they keep closing paper mills, you know, uh, still. And, and if you look at consumption here and now, it's it's not growing. Yeah, it's very, very easy to point to higher consumption in 10, 20 years, but in the next say five years. I think, sure, you should expect the consumption to grow, but uh, you shouldn't sort of be too impressed by all these plans because the fact uh, still is that the volumes related to it is very, very small. Uh You you need to see more uh, real investment decisions being made before you can be really bullish on the consumption, say, for the next yeah, three, three to five years.
1: So these companies need to put their money where their mouth is, as it were. You know, yeah, yes. um, yeah. And then we need to see the the concrete plans. Absolutely. Well, well guys, a fascinating discussion. Thanks uh, very much for for clarifying, explaining some of the complexities uh, that that we've seen this year, and and what we what we expect to see in the coming months and years. So, thank you very much, Tawdair.
2: Thank you, and we will see next six months. Will might be as much changes as that we saw the past six months. It could be Absolutely. interesting.
1: And thank you, Sigbjorn. Thank you. And thank you, Aylet. Thank you. So listeners, you can now follow the podcast on our own Twitter account, aptly named the Montel Weekly Podcast. Please direct message any suggestions, questions, or you know, let us know if you if you think you have a good idea for a guest on the show. You can also send us an email to podcast at montelnews.com. Lastly, remember to keep up to date with all that's happening in energy markets on Montel News. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thank you and goodbye.